Father, we just ask right now that you would begin to speak to us through your word. Minister to us, we pray. And let us hear your voice and your voice only. In Jesus' name, amen. As we see it into Christmas, we begin to arrive at familiar passages of Scripture that we always read and, and preach from every December. And preachers scramble to try and find some new revelation from the same passage. And typically, we arrive at the opening of the, the Christmas story, typically is understood that being that moment when the angel Gabriel uh, visits Mary in uh, Luke chapter 1. So we're going to steer into those verses today. We're actually going to go a wee bit deep into these verses, so do stick with us um, as we unpack a little bit of what we think God is saying to us. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin place to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. Amen. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. There is so much within this passage that we could begin to draw out. But we visit it today and allow it to speak just a little bit further into our culture change journey that we've been on since summer and the way that God is beginning to change the culture of our own souls as well as within the soul of the church. And we look at this particularly in relation to what happens when God begins to speak into culture, begins to speak into a setting or a life, and he speaks in order to change it. The opening verses contains some great information. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin place to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went and said, Greetings, you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. These verses, they set up the message of the angel. This is the background. This is the setting of the scene. In some senses, this is the platform for the revelation that the angel is about to bring. And these verses are laden with facts and information, and so much so that we tend to brush past them to get to the, you're going to have a wane and he's going to be the son of God, because that's quite interesting stuff. But we actually park on the information for a little bit. And don't worry, we're not going to spend a huge amount of time on it. But there is some stuff that we need to draw out. And the first thing that we recognize is that the angel Gabriel with his message for Mary is specifically described as being sent by God. The passage could have opened with the phrase, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel turned up to Mary or appeared before Mary or manifest before Mary. And in some senses, with any of these options, the message of the angel would not have been lost if we'd chosen one or if the story had been told in one of those ways. 
But specifically, we're told that the journey of the angel was one that was initiated by God. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel. And again, we do a wee bit of background work and we rewind a few verses backwards to understand the significance of this. And as we read around Luke chapter 1, we see that this baby announcement was not Gabriel's first rodeo. He had already delivered the pitter-patter of tiny feet announcement to Elizabeth and Zechariah. And when we read that Zechariah is not quite as accepting as Mary, he's got a bit of a brass neck and he begins to challenge the angel and he says in verse 18, he says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. He'd be popular and really in that conversation. And the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Zechariah is like, listen, mate, when we look at this on a natural level, listen, that ship sailed, mate. And Gabriel presents some absolute gold here. He says, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God. Gabriel is an angel that has access to the throne of God. He, he tells Zechariah that he stands in the presence of the Almighty and he has been sent to deliver a message. And what we believe then is that what he speaks is what he's been told to speak. This message is not of his own volition. It's not come from his own imagination. It has not and it does not originate with him. This is a message from the very throne room of heaven and from the lips of the one who sits upon the throne. And if this is the case for the message communicated about the arrival of the forerunner of the Savior, then how much more would we believe that the same is the case for the message announcing the arrival of the Son of God. God sent Gabriel. The words that Gabriel speaks are the words of God himself. And what we read then is a, a revelation from the throne room of heaven being released upon the air. A revelation that is not intended for encouragement or strengthening or, or comfort, but a word that while, while accomplishing strength and encouragement and comfort, this word is actually intended to bring change. That's why it's released. This word delivered to the earth is intended to change the air. In fact, this word being delivered to the soul is intended to change the soul. It's intended to transform the life to whom it has been sent. This is a life transforming word. And Mary, as a result of hearing this word and receiving this message, she'll never be the same again. The way she views the world, the way she journeys through the world, her faith, her spirituality, her entire outlook will be forever changed because of the moment that a word was released from heaven to land in our soul. And you know, this is important for us to look at and to, to discuss today because there are times when God speaks into our lives and he speaks to release the strength that we need for the journey that we're enduring. There are times when he speaks his word into our souls to encourage us in the storm or in the darkness or, or in the midst of the fight. And there are also times when God speaks and his voice resounds within us to build us up and to equip us, to, to strengthen us, to, to nudge us or guide us, to bring clarity and reassurance when judgment is clouded and the vision grows dim. But there are also times when God speaks in life-defining ways. 
when his voice and the word that he delivers is intended to actually shape us forever, to transform the culture that we carry, to forever determine the way that we walk and the way that we function and the way that we exist. In these moments when God speaks in life-defining ways, these occasions aren't frequent, but they aren't rare. There are times when God releases revelation into a life, into a soul, into a context, into a gathering of people in order to bring transformation, culture change, and radical reform. And this moment in Luke chapter 1 is such a moment. And so we learn from this. And it's actually really important that we do and we go deep under the skin of this, I suppose. Because you may be in a place in your journey right now with God where you've experienced such a life-altering moment. You might be able to recall a time that God spoke in a life-transformative and defining way that forever transformed and changed the culture of your soul and the direction of your walk. And if you're in that place, then most likely, even as I speak right now, you are recalling in your mind that word that he spoke that forever changed who you are. That moment when his power and his presence visited you so transformatively. But maybe you're in a place where you've sensed God speak in the strengthening, encouraging, and comforting ways, but have yet to hear him speak in the culture-changing ways within your being. Scripture would suggest to us that while God speaks frequently in ways that strengthen, encourage, and comfort, he speaks infrequently in life-defining and culture-changing ways. In fact, here we read this moment for Mary, but we don't read of it again. This is an infrequent occasion. And such moments don't happen often in our lifetimes, so it's important that when they do happen, we know how to position ourselves in those moments. We know what to do when they take place. And here's some important points. The first is this. God doesn't do generic. He does specific. Look at the information presented in these verses. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin place to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The message that is released from heaven has some pretty specific delivery instructions. God didn't say to Gabriel, here's a message. Go and see who you can get that fits the bill. He sent Gabriel with specifics. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. He sent him to a virgin pledge to be married. He sent him to a virgin pledge to be married to a man named Joseph. A virgin pledge to be married to a man named Joseph, but not just any Joseph, the Joseph from Nazareth in Galilee and the Joseph from Nazareth in Galilee whose family line and lineage was of David. And this virgin pledge to be married to Joseph and descended from David, her name was Mary. The detail in this information is incredible. This message has a specific destination. There was only one soul and one person to whom this message was being sent, and that meant that there was only one soul and one person who could carry this message, one soul and one person who could facilitate this message and the outworkings of its content. That this message would change its recipient and in turn they would transform and change the entire world. But this wasn't a Cinderella type moment. It wasn't a, if the shoe fits, you're it. If the shoe fits, it's yours. Everybody have a go and let's see who's the chosen one. This message had a specific destination. It was bespoke to Mary. 
Nobody could carry this revelation but Mary. Nobody could receive this revelation but Mary. Nobody else was intended to be the landing pad for this utterance from the throne room of God except Mary. Mary's soul was to receive this. This encounter was intended to transform her. This was a word that was intended to fit nobody but Mary. And this revelation would forever define Mary alone. Now, yes, it's outworking in our life would impact others. And we're testament to that. But this seed was meant to be planted in the spirit of Mary alone. It was to take shape in her and her only. It was intended to ruin, revolutionize, and reform her life and her life only. God chose Mary and he didn't choose another. Child of God, let me be direct. When you receive revelation from heaven that brings with it culture-changing implications and world-altering world outworkings, please understand this. You are not Cinderella. God is not looking to see who this word fits and whoever it is, it's theirs to run with. This is not Goldilocks and the three bears where he's trying different souls until he finds the one that's just right. God doesn't do generic. He only does specific. He chooses you. This word, this revelation, this command, this call, there is nobody else in the pipeline for this except you. He has chosen you to carry this, to run with this, to steward this. This revelation is intended to change your life, to forever impact your walk and your function. He has sent it to transform the culture of your soul alone. Now, don't get me wrong. As it takes root in you, as you let it define you and begin to shape and transform you, others will be impacted by its outworking. That is his intention, but God chooses you for this revelation, and he does not choose any other but you. So when he begins to speak in a way that defines and calls, when revelation comes that transforms and shifts, pin back your ears and listen in. Open up your soul. Soften your heart. Transition your spirit. Because what you receive from heaven is the address of your soul and your soul only attached to it. It cannot be carried out by another. It is not intended for another. It's not designed or destined for another. It's yours. And what you've received is significant from him. We apply the same to church. When God speaks into the life of a church, when he calls, when he positions, when revelation comes, it's intended to forever define and shift the forward trajectory and shape and definition. We need to open the soul of the church up. We need to sit with it. We need to process it. We need to understand it in order to, in turn, run with it. Because that word has a specific delivery address. And it's not intended for another house, just ours. What is interesting here, as you press on into this, is that despite there being a specific mailing address, the angel does appear to speak in generic terms. He says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. It's interesting that although the angel is sent with specific detailed information, that level of information is not reflected in the message. He doesn't say, greetings, Mary. 
because that's who this is intended for. Her name is mentioned. He doesn't say, Greetings, Mary, O great virgin of Nazareth, in the fine region of Galilee, fiancé of Joseph from the family line and genealogy of David, the Lord is with you. Now, the angel doesn't reference this information at all. But rather what he does is he communicates headlines in his opening gambit. Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Three phrases. Three phrases that communicates the gist of his message. He says, greetings. The Greek word that is used here is kahiro. It means to delight in God's grace, to experience God's grace, to be conscious for his grace, to be full of cheer and joy. The angel communicates a message that is intended to bring great joy and to bring about an experience of grace. And then he goes on to say, you are highly favored. This message is all about God revealing God's favor to Mary and through Mary to the world. And then he rounds the whole thing off by saying, the Lord is with you. This message is all about communicating the presence of God. This is why the angel has been sent. God's presence is going to be found in Mary, over Mary, through Mary. We see here that in this opening gambit, in this opening phrase, the angel communicates in headlines what he then later goes on in detail to explain further. And as we see that, a few things come out of this. The first is this. In the greeting of the angel, Mary is brought into a personal experience of what God's going to release to the world through her. This life-changing, culture-shifting revelation is all about Jesus. That which he's going to release in her and through her is Jesus. And in these phrases, in these headlines, we see headlines that are actually all about Jesus. The angel says, greetings. Be of good cheer, delight in God's grace, be filled with joy. This headline is actually all about Jesus because Jesus is going to bring joy to the entire world. He's going to cause individuals, families, and communities to delight in the grace of God by revealing the strength and the might and the extent of God's grace. That's his mission. That's his purpose. That's his mandate. It is to reveal and manifest the grace of God. And the angel calls it out here in this Greetings, you're going to delight in God's grace. Here's what Jesus is going to do. But the angel reveals not only that he's going to reveal grace, but he's actually going to take it a step further and he's going to bestow grace. The angel says, you are highly favored. The Greek word that is used here is karito, which means to favor, to bestow freely on. In fact, one meaning of it means to pursue with grace, compass with favor and honor with blessings. Here's a headline of Jesus' ministry. His mission on earth is to seek and save the lost. It's to pursue with grace and bring the soul into an all-encompassing experience of the favor of God in which we begin to experience the blessing that is found in living in communion with him. And as we live in grace, as he revisits our soul with kindness and forgiveness time and time again, as we see his hand at work in our day-to-day -day lives, we can't help but feel that we are blessed by him. We are favored by him. In fact, we live in an awareness that every day we live in the generous kindness of God. And this message of being favored is actually a headline about Jesus. It's actually what Jesus is going to bring to the experience of the human, human race of humanity. And then the last thing the angel says is this. He says, the Lord is with you. 
This is what Christmas is all about. It's not about presence. It's about the presence of God. Jesus comes to bring the presence of God into the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls, to make us temples of the Holy Spirit in which he actually lives and dwells in us. And in these three phrases spoken by the angel as a, a greeting to Mary, Gabriel actually communicates in broad strokes everything that Jesus is going to do upon the face of the earth from that point forward. So it's a huge prophetic announcement. But as we recognize this prophetic announcement that points to Jesus, what we actually realize is that what's been spoken in this phrase Although it points to him, it's not actually spoken about him, it's spoken to Mary. It's spoken to outline what God is going to do in the life of Mary. God is going to bring Mary into a personal experience of what he is releasing and realizing through her. See, here's the big point. Before God births something through you, he will first of all birth it in you. You have to be shaped by what he calls you to carry. God shapes us with what he calls us to carry so that when he releases it through us, it's authentic and real. It's not pretense. It's not a show. It's not a front. It's not an act. You know those moments where you see people all over social media or on channels and you're like, you're putting on a show. This ministry stuff. It's like, this is a front, it's a pretense. You're putting on a show, you're putting on a display. But God shapes us by what he wants to release through us so that as he releases it, it can be seen as authentic. As God authentically and is sincerely and genuinely working through our transformed life. You have to be shaped by what he calls you to carry. And we actually see him doing that through the pages of scripture. Look at Moses. Moses happened upon an encounter with God in a burning bush in which God in his supernatural glory revealed his identity to Moses, called Moses out of his shepherding context, gave him a brand new identity and a brand new purpose. And all of that was wrapped up in his experience of the glory of God. Moses in turn then turns up within the slavery of the Israelites in Egypt, called them out of their context of slavery, brought them into a discovery of the identity of God, who in turn shaped their identity as a nation through his manifest presence and his covenant glory. God shaped Moses first with what he was releasing him to carry. Moses was transformed by God before he could lead other people into God's transformation. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And in that moment, as he's confronted by his own sin, and he, he realizes his sheer inadequacy before God, and, and God turns around and he touches his lips with a coal from the altar. Something of heaven connects with him and releases purity. And Isaiah then begins to prophesy. And as he does, he calls out the sin and the inadequacy of the people of Israel, as well as revealing the cleansing and the purity that's going to come from heaven to be experienced by the human race. He calls out Jesus. But God shaped Isaiah with what he released him to carry. He had to experience cleansing and purity before he could call other people into that experience and reveal God's plan for holiness for the world. Look at Peter. Peter was interrupted by Jesus. As Jesus asked him if he could use his boat as a floating pulpit. 
And he invites them to put the boat out to the middle of the lake into a place of intimacy. And there Jesus demonstrated his supernatural power by filling the boat to sinking with a miraculous catch of fish. He was in that moment confronted with the power of God and his own sinful status in comparison. And Peter would go on to lead the birth of the church. He would go on to see the power of God interrupting people's lives in transformative and supernatural ways. He would see the church enter into radical growth. In fact, he would begin to confront people with Christ. Probably the most confrontational sermon I've ever read is right there in the verses of Acts chapter 2, where Peter hits them right between the eyes confronts them with sin. And as a result, over 3,000 men, that's not to count the women and the children that were there, were swept into the kingdom in one altar call. See, God shaped Peter with what he was releasing him to carry. Peter's life was radically interrupted by the power of God. He was confronted with the reality of God because that's what God wanted to do through him, to interrupt the lives of others and use him to confront them the power of God. You have to be shaped by what you carry before God will use you to release it to other people. And the reason why many of us fail to see God use us in that way and the way that we feel called is because we fail to allow our own hearts to be changed by what he's doing. And that's not an overly negative thing. There's tons of reasons as to why. A big one actually is found in this passage. Gabriel says, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary responds by saying, or tells us Mary's reaction. And it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this may be. <laughs> when you read what the angel says and then you read Mary's reaction, you think, this does not add up. An angel is standing before Mary. An angel is announcing to her, be full of cheer and joy, delight in the grace of God because you are highly favored and the presence of God is with you. And it says in response to that, Mary becomes troubled. And you read it and you're like, eh? Like, this is a hugely positive message. Everything in this opening statement is amazingly good and powerfully positive and yet, Mary, you're feeling troubled. You're like, Mary hen, what's going on here, love? What's the current and you could say, well, it's because there's an angel appeared right before her. If a dirty big angel turned up in your living room, you might be slightly terrified and concerned. And that's true. Such a supernatural experience could and would for many bring with it a feeling of fear and perhaps even the need for a fresh pair of underpants. But if you look at the text, you'll notice it's not the presence of the angel that she has a problem with. It's not that she's scared or caught off guard. Specifically, the text says that which is causing Mary to feel greatly troubled, that which is causing her anxiety, was the words of the angel. And again, it's confusing because everything the angel says seems positive, but look again at the word that's used for troubled. It is the word diatarasso. Easy for you to say. And the word that is used for troubled is actually only ever used once in the whole of the New Testament and is used here in Luke one twenty nine, And it means acutely distressed, distressed through and through, to agitate greatly, or here's a good one, intensely going back and forth, to and fro, between inner thoughts and emotions. Mary is unsettled by the revelation from heaven. It's causing a shift in her inner equilibrium 
It's bringing a change to the culture of our soul and it kind of has to. It has to if it's to bring transformation. If this word just fed and nurtured her inner equilibrium, if it fed and maintained the status quo, then it's not going to bring change. And that's why God sent it. That which God is birthing within her is going to bring radical change. That which he is releasing within her is going to turn the world upside down. It will forever mark her definition, her spirituality, her faith journey, her entire life direction. And as soon as the revelation of this is released, it begins to agitate the very being of Mary and initiate change. Mary here is carrying in her soul and beginning to feel in her inner being the tension of the realms. Something of heaven is breaking in on the earth. Purpose is beginning to take root within. The purpose of God is shaping a human vessel. The supernatural is nudging, shifting, changing the natural order of things. And there comes with that an unsettling. An unsettling that is the tension between the supernatural and the natural. And an unsettling that is a shifting, a moving, a defining, and a transforming. You have to be shaped by what you carry, but the shaping is normally a very unsettling experience. See, we have it in our heads in church life that revelation and purpose is all lovey-dovey and fimbly feelings. But let me tell you, it is not all glitter and rainbows, sunshine and fairy cakes. The inbreaking of God brings with it the tension of the realms and the uneasiness of shift. It unsettles because its purpose is to initiate change. It changes everything and it unsettles to transform. And we must learn to navigate the seasons of God in which he unsettles us to transform us. We must learn to hold our ground when the shifting begins to happen and when revelation begins to bring the tension of the realms to rest in our souls. You see, when God deposits purpose and insight within a human heart, that heart sits in the crosshairs of the supernatural and the natural. And as we navigate purpose, the soul has to learn to function in that place, has to rest and exist in the tension of the crosshairs for a while. Revelation of purpose always brings trouble. It causes this toing and froing, the backwards and forwards, the ebbing and flowing between the inner feelings and emotions because it's beginning to transform us from the inside out. We have to be shaped by what we carry. The angel would seem detects the agitation of Mary's soul. And he responds and says, Don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. You will conceive and have a son. You'll give him the name Jesus. What we read happening here is the angel ministering to Mary. And we can say that because Hebrews 1.14 says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So we're safe in saying that right now what the angel is communicating and what he's doing is ministry. And ministry needs to take place in order to, for Mary to carry what God is releasing. It is seldom that we can receive what God is releasing us to carry without first of all releasing what we've been carrying. The angel recognizes that there is this barrier rising in Mary's soul that needs to be removed in order for her to carry purpose. So he begins to deal with that and he responds by saying, don't be afraid, Mary. Now notice the shift here from the opening statement. 
Notice that he doesn't say, don't be afraid, highly favored one with whom the Lord is with. But now he gets personal. He says, don't be afraid, Mary. He calls her Mary because the ministry that is taking place is personal to her. He's ministering to her soul, to the inner part of her. And he says to her, listen, fear has to go. Again, the Greek word for fear here is phobio. I don't normally use this much Greek. I can't pronounce it, that's why. But the word here for fear, it means to put to flight, to terrify, to frighten. Fear, if not dealt with, can derail Mary from her purpose. It can cause her to run from that which God is releasing. Fear, if not dealt with in our hearts and souls, can derail us from running with purpose. It can cause us to run from that which he is releasing to us to transform us and the world around us. It has to be dealt with. And the way that the angel deals with it is to tell her, don't be afraid, you've found favor with God and here's what's going to happen. And, and as the angel ministers to Mary, he adds detail to the headline of his initial greeting. Her journey out of fear was her journey deeper into revelation. Her journey out of fear was her journey deeper into her calling. And very often when God begins to minister to our souls as he deals with things in our innermost beings, things that crowd the purpose that he's releasing within us, very often in that moment of ministry, things that we picked up along the way, pains, hurts, fears, attitudes, habits, sins, these are the things that he begins to deal with. And as he begins to release the soul from these things, he begins to reveal more of his plan, more of his purpose, further layers of his call. It's almost as though as these things are released from the soul, the soul suddenly has greater capacity for further revelation. Like there is room for more revelation to occupy more space within the soul so that God can begin to reveal the further layers of what he's doing and the further layers of revelation and what he's speaking. We need to deal with the clutter in our soul to make space for what he releases. And this means that the only way that we can be authentically shaped by God is to allow him to release us from the stuff that is shaping us. The things that determine the way that we walk and the way that we exist and the approach that we take and the mindsets that we have and the reactions that take place and the attitudes we possess. It's when we begin to embrace his ministry process in the innermost being that he begins to shape the innermost being with the ministry that he has for us. And that he's called us to carry. The angel brings greater revelation to Mary and we're bringing this into land. He colors in the outline and he has details, but Mary still doesn't quite get it. How will this be, she says, since I am a virgin? Mary's like, what you're saying doesn't make sense in the natural. It doesn't make sense as to how all of this is going to happen. And the angel responds by saying, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The angel responds by advising that with the purpose of God comes the anointing of God. The Holy Spirit's influence is found in incubating the purpose of God into reality. When God reveals purpose, the ministry and the influence of the Holy Spirit is found and he begins to shape a life into purpose. He begins to work within. He begins to transform us into the shape of purpose. And the whole encounter closes with Mary's words. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. 
Mary demonstrates humility. She positions her heart and her life in the service of God. She surrenders to the word. She seeks to bring her life into alignment with what God has spoken and she begins to live in the expectation of fulfillment. She believes for what God has spoken. May your word to me be fulfilled. It's almost as though here Mary permissions this revelation. It's almost as though she expresses permission for her shape to be transformed by her purpose. It's like she's saying, mate, be to me. Let this have fulfillment in my life. Okay, I open myself wide up. I am the Lord's servant. I place who I am and what I am in the service of my God. And I give you permission to shape who I am. Here's where we begin to apply this to our lives and begin to minister on this. Do you know there are times when God speaks life, transforming culture-changing words into our life that forever change our hearts and souls. These are not words that are strengthening encouragement and comfort. These are specifically words that transform the journey that we take and the way that we walk. And as he does... He seeks to bring us into a personal experience of what he wants to release through us. We have to be shaped by what he calls us to carry. And that shaping experience can be very unsettling. Sometimes in the unsettling, we kick against God. In fact, we kick against the shaping process as opposed to kicking against him, but it is the same thing. And you know, some of us right now are living in the unsettling stage of purpose. Some of us are in this room and feeling unsettled right now. Because God has spoken, God has nudged, God has begun to shape with purpose. And we feel like our souls are living in the crosshairs of the two realms. We're living in the place of tension. We're living maybe even as though everything in the natural, the stuff of life, as well as everything in the supernatural, the attack and the oppression, everything seems to be painting a target on our souls and it's sore to handle. It's hard to navigate. One of the reasons why we hit the unsettling period but never progress forward from that, never move beyond that agitated feeling in the soul it's because we fail to explore the ministry that God would seek to bring to our innermost beings in those moments. He agitates. That revelation has to trouble us if it's to move us and change us. But God's desire isn't to leave us agitated. He, he wants to minister into that. And we have to embrace that ministry to progress beyond that. We cannot be released into that which we're called to carry until we release some of the stuff that we've been carrying. The pain, the trauma, the anger, the frustration, the disappointment, the hurt, the numbness, the grief, the shame, the injustice. We can't be shaped by purpose until we've let go of the stuff that is shaping us. Maybe this morning it's time to surrender to the ministry of God to release what you've been carrying so that he can release to you what you're actually meant to carry, what he's destined you to carry. When we begin to release the stuff that the soul carries, it creates a greater capacity for revelation. It makes room for further layers of calling and purpose to be released. Some of us have hit a roadblock as the next stage of revelation and insight in the journey is actually linked to our capacity. 
to our ability to let the soul see and hear what God's going to do next. One of the reasons that we're in this roadblock and this life-defining exploration of the revelation and the call and we hit the roadblock and we can't get any further is because there's not any more room for God to release the further. We need to increase the capacity of our soul. We need to make space by clearing out the clutter. And you know, for some of us, our roadblock is a lack of understanding. We're a place where what we're perceiving in the supernatural doesn't make sense and doesn't match what's unfolding in the natural. And you know, be encouraged in this place, it's okay to ask, like Mary did. This does not make sense to me. You're going to need to give me a bit more detail. You're going to need to fill in some of the blanks here. It's okay to come to him and say, I I sense this and I know this call and I know the moment that your voice spoke and it shook my innermost being and it's transformed who I am and my appetite and, and my vision of what is ahead. I see it, but when I look at my life and where I'm at and what's going on, it doesn't add up. I, I don't get it. It's okay to ask. He will bring revelation. But when you ask, you have to be prepared to listen for the answer. And you have to be prepared that the answer he gives might not be the answer that you want. But it's his answer. Do you know what? Some of us are at the place where we need to open up our lives to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When he releases purpose, he releases the anointing to go with that. The Spirit to shape our life into purpose. And we need to open up our lives to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, to purpose is release the influence of the Spirit, to incubate that purpose and to incubate the call of God. And, and what we need to do is just let the guard down, relinquish control, and receive the Spirit of God. When was the last time that you let your guard down, that you stopped holding on to control and just said, okay, Holy Spirit, let me have it. Here I am. When was the last time that you were so overwhelmed by the presence of God that you lost sight of everything else? Maybe it's the time to come to that yielding. That here I am moment. And for some, the great barrier, in fact, the greatest barrier, is that we need to come like Mary did and humble ourselves under his mighty hand. And just offer who we are and what we have to him in service. To come and say, okay God, here I am. Who I am, what I have, where I'm going. My body, my soul, my spirit. I give them to the service of the king. I am your servant. May it be to me. For some of us, the biggest thing that we need to do is permission purpose and that permissioning is not like okay God if I don't give you permission you wouldn't have the power and the strength to do it of course he does he's almighty but what it's doing is that permissioning is saying I'm coming into alignment I hear what you're saying and I see the journey of my life and what I have and I say okay God I'm not going to keep going that way or that way I'm going to come in alignment and I'm going to say your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. 
Some of us, we need to begin to live in the expectation of fulfillment and bring our lives into alignment and say yes and amen. Some of us just need to stop fighting the voice of God. You know, when he speaks it and you kind of shut it out, and then when we come to him in the trial and the tribulation, we're like, right, God, what is it you've got to say in the midst of this? And he just reiterates that call way back at the beginning. You're like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But actually what I want you to do is tell me how you're going to smoke them and you're going to wipe them out and you're going to put boils in their bum and deal with all that kind of stuff. And he's like, no, 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 no. What you need to hear is what I'm calling you to. You need to stop fighting. You need to relinquish control and let me be not just your God, but the Lord of your life and the master of your destiny. Maybe for some of us, we need to bring our yes this morning. But hear this. God doesn't do generic. He only does specific. So that word that you're carrying, that's no Goldilocks Cinderella stuff. That's just for you. There is no one in the pipeline. He has no plan B. You are it. How amazing that the God of heaven would choose me and would choose you to run with his purpose and transform the world. But that's his heart. Let's pray for a moment.